Oh, I'm not done with it yet. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Sir, do you mind if I ask you a real quick question? Quick question. Ma'am, I just had a question for you. Just a quick question. Ma'am, are you guys married or no? No, she's my uh, mother-in-law. Oh. Huddle together, everyone. Huddle. If you need to learn something, what do you do? Google it. Google it. Google. Yeah, Google. Google. Google it. I see you're on your phone there. Yeah. Do you think we're too dependent on technology as a culture? Abraham Lincoln once said, be careful of what you learn on the internet. What do you think of this very wise quote from such a wise man? The internet didn't exist when Abraham Lincoln was alive, so. Are you sure? Before the internet, where did people go? Library. library. Before libraries, where did people go? It was probably handed like down, like you'd ask like a mom or someone you trusted. So what is this? This is a map. Yes. A map. So this is like paper. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Feel it. It's made out of paper. Apparently, the generations before us used to use things like this. There's an app for that. Yeah, yeah. So we don't need this. No. Yeah. <laughs> what can't you learn on Google? Social skills. Life lessons. I mean, that's a tough one. Wisdom. Yeah, I guess wisdom. <laughs> if you need wisdom on something, where do you go? My mom. My mom. Probably my parents. Okay. I usually speak with my wife through books. Books? Books? Yeah. I do things that cultivate wisdom like meditation, introspection, things like that. This is relaxing. Ow. Oh. Follow my lead. Left hand. Heart. Right hand. You're doing good, guys. Where do you go to get wisdom? Uh, Google. Before Google, we had libraries. Before libraries, we had people, and the best people to get wisdom from are? Your parents. Some of you didn't say that very strong, but uh, yeah, you're like, I don't know. I'm going to tell you this. How many know that your parents get a lot smarter the older you get? Yeah, right now my parents are like genius level. I'm going to let you know that. Uh, but we are going to look at Proverbs and the wisdom that is there before Google and uh, the wisdom that God gave us in his word. And the smartest man in the world uh, asked for the gift of wisdom and asked for the ability to rule his people well and to have this wisdom. And he wrote it down for us. And I thank God that it's in his word. And I thank God that it's passed down to us and it's there for us to look at. And I really do thank God for the wisdom of uh, my parents and the generations that have gone before me. I can tell you that I value uh, the voice of someone that's gone before me. I value the voice of someone that's older. And again, my mom, um, I love her wisdom. And uh, I said the other day, what am I going to do when my mom is no longer around? I mean, this woman has so much wisdom and has the ability to help phrase uh, things for me. Um, I send people to her. I say, like, you should go meet with mom. She's got wisdom, and she will tell you the truth. And... Uh, <laughs> 
people have said that, and like, yeah, she really does tell it like it is. But we did this, uh, we, and she's here in service right now, so uh, pray for me. And uh, <laughs> No, but we actually uh, thought mom had such good wisdom, and maybe you might want to do something like this with your parents. Uh, we sat her down, and we had the whole family together. We had a video team that was there, and we just said, just talk to us. Tell us about your life. Tell us the stories. Um, tell us the things you want to impart to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. Let's record this and get this wisdom down. And again, if you know my mom, I mean, she was preaching at her great-great-grandchildren, you know, like, you better serve Jesus. I will come back and get you. I mean, she was like, you know, and I love you, by the way. This is from grandma. Okay, but so but it was good that she did that and we uh, captured it. But I thank God that in his wisdom, he inspired uh, Solomon to write Proverbs and some very wise people to give some additional wisdom. And uh, there's a lot in there that talks about the family. So we're speaking about family wisdom today. And what does the Bible in Proverbs specifically have to tell us about family? And I will let you know that uh, next week I'm going to talk about the wisdom for uh dads and moms and children, but today I'm going to deal with husbands and wives, okay? So I'm going to talk about the wisdom specifically. I was going to try to cover it all, and then next week I was going to go to extended family and bosses, but then I realized in all the counseling that I do, most people don't come to me and say, you know, my boss, I got issues, you know? Usually they're like, my wife, my husband, my kids, my mom, you know? So I thought, let's focus where it hurts and Let's try to bring some healing and really focus on that. So we're going to extend it. Next week, I'll deal with, uh, again, uh, dads, mom, uh, dads, moms, and children, and uh, today, husbands and wives. And just, to, again, before I get into this, if you want to be a, a great husband, a great wife, uh, if you want to be a great mom, a great dad, uh, a great child, uh, Proverbs, the wisdom that is there. I cannot stress it enough. We've said this in this series. I cannot stress it enough how much wisdom is here and how much heartache this will save you. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I'd re I read this as a child. Uh, it, was, it was like revelation to me when I discovered there were 31 Proverbs, 31 days, a proverb a day, and I just started to do this as a habit. Probably did that for 30 years. And the wisdom that was just there every day, and if I could give you any advice, I would say, uh, with the wisdom that is there, uh, do your devotions that we do as a church, your soap devotions, but add a proverb uh, of the day. Add a proverb of the day, and as you do that, I, I guarantee you the wisdom that will come there, the conversations that will be birthed from that, it will be so worth your time. So let's jump into what the Bible says about husbands, and uh, in Proverbs, there's a lot. There's a lot. I had to whittle this down and just pick a few things. Um, Proverbs 18.22 says this, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Okay? <laughs> Somebody just said amen. They are trying to score some brownie points. All right. There, by the way, there's going to be a lot of those that you can just go ahead and spike down. All right? I'm just going to let you know, guys, ladies, they're going to be there for you. Um, in Proverbs 19.14, it says, Houses and wealth are inherited from parents but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now, I want to just say of all the things that I could say to husbands, um, I just want to start with the real obvious here um, that uh, God's saying that when you get married and you find this wife, that's a good thing. And he says uh, to the guys that are out there, um, it's not good for you to be alone. Two are better than one. And to the self-made man, how many know that a lot of guys are like, I made this, I did this. Um, the, uh, my family gave me the wealth or I built the wealth. Look at what I've done, my accomplishments. 
Proverbs is very clear. God is saying, guess what? Your wife, you didn't make her. I did. He said, she's a gift from me, Mr. Self-Made Man that wants to take credit for everything. Proverbs 19, 14, houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And he's saying, I'm the one that gave you this gift. And if you think about this, uh, for all of us, grace is given to us by God. And then God is saying to husbands, if you find a, a good wife, that's a gift from me. I did that for you. You didn't make her, I did. Now, I would say this to anyone that's not married. And anytime we do a, a sermon that is specific, you know, husbands, wives, you say, well, I'm not married, but you know people that are. And I, I always pray that you would be, whatever the topic is that we're preaching on, you would take this and realize that you are like a repeater station, if you will. There might be one sermon coming out right now, but you are like a, a minister, a chaplain sent to wherever you're going in this world to minister to people. And so even if a sermon doesn't specifically apply to you, take in that wisdom so that you can give it away. But I would say this to anyone that is a, a guy that is looking for a wife someday, uh, godly wisdom all throughout Proverbs and through all throughout the Bible would tell you to look at the inside, to look at the inside that the beauty that is on the inside needs to be of great value to a man of God. And people say, well, you know, but she's very beautiful. And it's interesting that outward beauty can hide inward ugliness. How many know that? And sometimes there can be just great inward ugliness that is overlooked because of outward beauty. And, and the Bible would say, make sure that you look on the inside because beauty fades. And, and again, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to your spouse. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, that's encouraged, okay? Um, but you need to be smart enough to know that the inward beauty is of huge value. That's right. Yep. Of huge value. Um, so the Bible is saying, guys, you didn't create her. You didn't, you know, design her. I did that for you. And uh, that's a really good thing. And I'm sure there's a lot of ladies out there going, surely there must be something more convicting in Proverbs for men. And there is. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give you some homework, and then we're going to dig into Proverbs 5. Uh, men, Ephesians 5 is your homework. This is your homework. Read that this week. Read that. Basically, Ephesians 5 will summarize uh, the, the whole of what the Bible is saying to husbands. So that is your homework for the week. Ephesians 5, read that. Now, the biggest warning in Proverbs over and over and over to men and to husbands over and over and over again is stay faithful don't wander. Don't commit adultery. I mean, it just got a lot heavier. It's the truth. Over and over again, Solomon saying to his son, son, watch out. Stay faithful. A wife is a beautiful thing. If you find a, a godly wife, that's a gift from God. Be blessed. But son, stay faithful. When you say I do, mean I do. Now, this is coming from somebody who had all sorts of wives, and, 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 but he's, you could just feel the pain. He's saying to his son, son, watch out for the wayward woman. Watch out for adultery. This will destroy you. The wheels will come off. You're not being a good husband. You're, you're destroying what you said you'd protect. So Proverbs chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 15, I'm reading from the message translation. It says, do you know the saying, drink rain from your own rain barrel, draw water from your own spring-fed well? It's true. 
Otherwise, you may one day come home and find your barrel empty and your well polluted. And he's speaking about marriage. Your spring water is for you and you only, not to be passed around among strangers. There's no swinging in the kingdom of God. He said, that's not happening. He said, bless your, your fresh flowing fountain. Enjoy the wife you married as a young man, lovely as an angel, beautiful as a rose. Don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Never take her love for granted. Why would you trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills with a whore, for a dalliance with a promiscuous stranger? Mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in the dead end or in a dead end. He's saying, stay faithful, stay faithful. Realize that a husband, the big proverb over and over again, and there's so many other ones. I could have read and read and read and just read the warnings to men about this. The husband saying, stay faithful, but I picked this one. And he's saying, be involved in your marriage. Be uh, uh, the builder of your marriage. Don't neglect your marriage. If your marriage starts to go bad, you'll be tempted to wander. And if you're tempted to wander and you give into that temptation, you're foolish. He's saying, God's given you a beautiful thing. Don't blow it. And any man that complains, you know, he says, well, I'm tempted. My wife is not that. and She's not a good wife and all this. And the thing that I always say to these guys, they come in like, oh, I can't believe my wife and she's this. And I'm like, you picked her. In our culture, you initiate, didn't, didn't you? Didn't that, isn't that, it wasn't arranged marriage, was it? I'm like, be the husband, be the leader, invest, sow in, take care of your well, your spring. Take care of this and do what the Bible is saying. It's interesting. Um, Proverbs and elsewhere talks about the, the woman seducing him with her words. And uh, words are very important in a marriage. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm just telling you this. Don't listen to the words of a stranger. There's so many other things that are going on. Stay listening to your spouse. Stay plugged into your wife. Listen to her and be communicating with her. I got a marriage tip. Um, I've realized this, the longer you're married, the older you are, the more your ears become an avenue for temptation, more than your eyes, okay? When you're a young married man, your eyes will be the temptation. Your eyes will catch things. But as you get older and your gut starts to grow, <laughs> your ears become a whole new sense of temptation that weren't there before. Because you're starting to wonder, do I still have it anymore? Am I the man anymore? Am I? And all of a sudden, that's why Proverbs says, watch out for her flattering words. And as a young man, I'd read that and go, boy, I'm not worried about her words, you know, <laughs> not at all, you know. But as I get older, I'm like, I realize that's where the temptation comes in. And the writer of Proverbs is saying, stay away, stay away, because all of a sudden those words are, you're the greatest, you're the best, nobody works as hard as you. Boy, I wish I was married to you. And all those words of affirmation. That's why Proverbs says, watch out. Don't listen to her words. So, man, let's apply this wisdom of Proverbs 5. It's right there. There's so much there. But right now, I, I would speak to the husbands in this church and say, uh, resolve right now 
to not allow the slightest bit of flattery from another woman. Don't allow the slightest bit of flattery from another woman. Don't allow her to tell you how great you are. And you say, well, but I work with her. And she says how great. Deflect the flattery. Boy, you sure are a great boss. You know what? We have a great team. We have a wonderful team of people that really make things happen. And I'm so glad that our team takes care of this. Deflect it over away. Another thing, um, resolve right now that you'll have your imagination under control. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says to bring every thought under control and bring it into obedience to Christ. Don't allow your imagination to go wild. Another thing that I would say in applying this, uh, this writer, the writer of Proverbs, Psalm, he's given us the wisdom. He's like, take care of your fountain. Take care of, don't take her for granted. And he's saying, like, invest in her. Emotionally invest. And, and husbands, you are to emotionally invest and only let your wife into that chamber of your emotions. Work on communicating with your spouse and share your heart with each other. That's what the writer of Proverbs would be saying to us. Spend time, invest, find out each other's love language. And if you don't know your spouse's love language, Google that. <laughs> Find out love languages, you know. I know Becca's love languages. They're time and gifts. And so if I'm running short on time, I buy her a gift. And I don't you know, if I have lots of time, less gifts, you know, but it's a good combination there. But I know it. Do you know it? Take care of your well. Take care of this beautiful gift that God has given to you. And don't ever take her for granted. If I would say this, I would say both of you. The husband and the wife should try to outgive each other. You should try to outdo each other. Yeah. It should be like, well, I made you your favorite. I did your favorite. I did this. I, you're trying to outgive each other, outcompliment, outcare, outlove each other. People say, is marriage 50 50? I said, no, it's 100 100. Giving 100% all the time. Really, really, that's what it is. Now, the second part of Proverbs talks about this in that Proverbs 5, and I couldn't stop just with the part about stay away and take care of your own wife, but don't go over there. I love the next part because uh, it really says God's watching. God's watching. Guys, God's watching. If you think what you're doing in private is not being seen, it is, okay? And I would tell you this, he's watching in two ways. I think at first God watches like a loving heavenly father saying, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And I think he's, he's warning you the whole way with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't go there. Dead end doesn't lead to life. Don't go to that door. Stay away from her street. Don't do he's, he's warning you as a loving father and he's guiding you away. And then if you cross the line, then he's a judge that has the record. And I would rather have him be the loving heavenly father saying my middle name and staying away from it than him having the record of it and then bringing that conviction on me. But it's there. He's saying, you can't find it. He's like, I see it. I see all that's going on. Now, I will say this. Um, again, this saying I, I, about the adulterous woman and about an adultery with a, um, a husband that is committing adultery, um, I guess this would apply to everybody, but... Don't drink a cup full of pleasure for an ocean full of wrath. Don't, bring, don't do that. It's a bad exchange. God is saying that over and over again. I have something better for you than that. And I would say this. If you've blown it, 
if you've blown it, I'm going to say this. You can't fix it on your own. Only the grace of Jesus Christ can fix it. And only depending upon him to help heal your marriage, you can do it. You can do it. You can fight for your marriage. You can restore. You can bring healing back. But I, it's going to be by the power of God. And the best advice you could get from Proverbs is to see the warning over and over and over again. Husbands, watch out. Watch out. This is a real issue. Watch out. Stay away. Now, wives. Men are like, okay, good. All right, yeah. Some of you looked at your watch. You're like, less time for the women than the men, but it's not fair. I hope he goes long, all right? Uh, yeah. It's pretty amazing. How many know that the writer of Proverbs gives almost a whole chapter to ladies, to the wife, and how amazing she can be? And how many know that they deserve that chapter. How many know that? That was a freebie right there. It was like, you know, right there. But especially Becca. And they deserve that chapter. Um, but there's a wife in Proverbs that can ruin her home. It's very clear. If you read Proverbs, you'll see it. It's over and over again, and you'll see it. And there's two things that are used over and over again. Um, a, a, a quarreling or fighting wife and a nagging wife, okay? Nagging and quarreling. And Proverbs 21.9 says, Better to live on the corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 27.15 says, A quarrelsome wife, and, and some translations say a nagging wife, is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. And if I could say this to wives as I, as I poured over Proverbs, maybe I should have had Becca preach this portion, but as I poured over it, I saw over and over again, uh, quarreling, fighting, and nagging just seemed to be something that the, the writer of Proverbs is telling us, if you want to have a good marriage, don't be a fighting spouse and don't nag. And, and to put it in perspective, a lot of us, and some translations will say like it's like a, a, a dripping faucet. That's not a good enough uh, analogy. The writer of Proverbs was saying it was a leaky roof, which is way worse than a leaky faucet. It's not just a drip, a dripping leaky. How many know you can ignore a leaking faucet? It'll do a little stain on the, on the sink, but you can kind of ignore it. How many know that? But how many know a leaking roof you can't ignore? A leaking roof will just keep getting worse and worse and worse till it comes down and the next thing you know, you've ruined the household. And, and, and the, the best example I could think of this of how bad it is to nag and to quarrel and to always have this fighting attitude or complaining persona. Um, if you've seen any of the 50 seasons of Survivor or how many they're at right now, you know, they have to build their own shelter. I don't know if you've ever seen this, um, but they have to build their own shelter, and usually wherever they're at, there's rain, and they don't usually build a good enough shelter, and then somebody's in the thing, and it's dripping on them, and it's dripping, and they're soaked, and in the morning, they wake up, and they're just like another person. It's almost like they're possessed, you know, and they're just like, they're cold, they're angry, they're, they're wet, and they're just like, we have got to fix that, and there's all, like, I, I can't stand it anymore. Vote me off. Vote me off the island because I can't handle, I'm trying to sleep in this dripping thing, and there's an intensity there, and there's an intensity when there's uh, complaining, and, and I, I want to tell you, the words are so powerful. The words are so powerful, especially from a wife to her husband. I don't know that women fully realize the power of their words. And Proverbs would clearly say, don't nag. And some of you might say, but it works. 
okay? It really doesn't. It really doesn't. You may get the, the to-do list item done, but there's damage being done internally. I'm going to let you into the mind of, the, uh, of a man. When you nag to get something done, and you say, but he doesn't do it, I do, I'll give you other ways to try to get the thing done. But I'm going to tell you, when you nag in the, in, a, in the mind of a man, when you nag, he may go and do it, but he's mumbling on the inside, mumbling very loud, okay? Immediately, his imagination starts getting attacked by the enemy. Doesn't mean he has permission to yield to these thoughts, but this is what happens in the mind of a man. He's fixing the thing or doing the project or taking care of whatever, and he's doing it, and he's mumbling, and then the devil says, boy, better to live on the corner of a house than with a nagging wife. Better to have, you know, it's like a dripping faucet. It's like he's quoting Bible verses to the man. Yeah, well, if you weren't married to her, you'd be a better guy. Yeah, bet you'd be happier with her over. I'm just telling you, this is what's going on. Doesn't give him permission, but the enemy starts to attack this way. And then men will justify and say, well, I wouldn't do this if she didn't. Doesn't mean you're right, men. You have no excuse to do this. You have no excuse, but it's the way the enemy attacks. And I'm telling you that Proverbs over and over again, don't fight with him. Don't fight. Don't fight. Don't nag. Don't nag. Don't nag. Even if it gets the desired result, the writer of Proverbs would say, don't do that. Find another way. And I know you'd say, well, I don't think this will work, but I'm going to tell you words of encouragement, words of challenge, words of reward work with men. I bet you can't fix that door handle. Oh, yes, I can. (laughs) We're just wired that way. It's pretty simple, you know? Yeah, it's it's like, you know, um, words of encouragement, you know, words of reward. I I wrote this down, you know, like, if you were to say, you know, let's say you need the washing machine fixed, and it's taken a few days, and he hasn't done anything, you just say, you know what would really make Friday night's date with you amazing? What? Man, if the washer machine was fixed, I would totally be into you. My mind would be focused on you. I mean, anything could happen. That's all I'm saying. How many know the guy's like, hello, Maytag, I need you here by Friday. If you don't think that's true, look at your husband. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's the way it is. And I'm saying there's words of challenge, words of reward, words of encouragement. Those are the things there. Proverbs 31, which is the chapter about uh, amazing wives, Proverbs 31, 12 says, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. How does she do that? She does it with her word. She brings him good. She builds him up, and she does that. I believe this. Proverbs 31 said, my principles are stronger than my circumstances. My principles are stronger than my circumstances. It may not look good right here, but my principle is to build up and to be the wife that God has called me to be. I can't even tell you, like, it changed my marriage. Uh, I, I, I was trying to make a big pledge for Kingdom Builders early on. I was trying to make a big pledge, and we had pledged uh, $30,000 over three years. And it was way beyond what we were doing. I actually started a second job, okay? The inflatables the church uses, I owned them. I started an inflatable games business and would drive around to churches on Saturday and do church picnics and different things and then do my sermon Saturday night and then preach Sundays. But I was trying to do that for kingdom builders to build one of our buildings, making $10,000 a year at a time when 
I had to start a, well, through this business, I actually lost $20,000. At the end of the three years, we made our commitment, but it turned out that there was some loss incurred, and I lost $20,000. And I can remember taking Beck out to dinner, and I said, I need to let you know that we made our commitment, but we lost $20,000 in the deal. I, I just, I, I made a mistake, I did some things, I tried, I leveraged this, it didn't work, and I made a mistake, and I lost $20,000. And we're eating, I'm ready for her, just unload, like I deserve this. And she just said, I'll never be mad at you for trying to advance our family and advance the kingdom of God. I, I, I don't want you to lose $20,000 anymore, but I won't be mad at you. I love you, I still believe in you, thank you for trying. And I was like, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. And I, I was like, hello, Maytag? I mean, I was like, where's the to-do list? I'll do it all. I mean, in that moment, her words of affirmation that I, you know, and she could have said, I, I, my dad was right. I should have married the other guy. I mean, she could have gone a million different ways. And instead, she took her words, and she was Proverbs 31, 12. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. I'm going to live by the principle and not the circumstance. And that would be the, the advice that I would give from Proverbs. There's so much more. Just keep reading it and reading it and reading it. And real quickly, how it works, Rebecca and I, I've adapted this list and from another uh, source. But how it works with us. Um, as we read Proverbs, as we read the Word of God, this is how it works in our life and in our marriage, husband and wife. Um, we're just in love with Jesus first. We're just in love with Jesus first. And because he's first, um, that just sets everything else in the right order. And the deeper we fall in love with Jesus, the more we fall in love with each other. And um, I'll share this. The other day I lost my temper a little bit and a lot of it, and uh, just being honest, and Becca's going to see the sermon, so uh, I lost my temper, and the next morning, I'm doing my soap devotions, and I open the Word of God, and I can barely get the Word of God open, and God's like, you going to apologize for that? I'm like, mm-hmm. He's like, why don't you write it out to make sure it's really good? And so for the next 30 minutes in my soap devotion, I wrote out my apology, and when she got up, I said, hey, hey, I need to read you my apology. And I read it, you know, and I just, man, because I'm in love with Jesus first, and Jesus is keeping me on the straight and narrow. His wisdom before Google, he was, he is, and he was speaking to me. How it works for us is we pray for each other. We pray with each other, but I believe we pray for each other more than we pray with each other, okay? How it works for us, we respect each other. We realize that we have time differences, needs are different. You know, we respect each other, though. We don't attack each other. We attack our problems. That's how it works for us. We don't attack each other. We attack our problems, and we solve them. One of our problems early on was, how long did we have to stay after church? I want to greet everybody. She was like, 10 minutes is plenty, you know? So we solved it. I was like, well, we have two cars. <laughs> Why don't we drive two cars? Marriage saved. All right, you know. We don't attack each other. We attack our problems. We solve them. We spend lots of time together. We spend lots of time together. Our four-mile walk that we go to Starbucks or Caribou, man, that's just great time together. We spend lots of time together, and that strengthens our marriage. The other day on our walk, we had three different people from the church contact us. Dave Dudley pulls up in his truck. Hey, the 
Pastor Rob, it's so good to see you guys walking. The coffee's waiting. Hey, you know, walk a little bit further. I get a text from one of our elders, Gerald Baltrish. He's like, so good to see you and Becca walking together. Way to be a great example for the marriage. And I'm like, what are you doing in our neighborhood? He said, I was at a prayer meeting. A little bit further, we're there, and uh, Kristen Peterson had done a U-turn to come back and pulled up next to us. Love this, love this, love this. We love our pastors. Yay, go. And I was like, that's so awesome. Spending time together. Last thing is, I would say this. I lead and she stands next to me. That's not chauvinistic. That's just, I realize that God has called me the priest, to be the priest, the provider, the protector, the one that sets the stage and is moving forward. But she doesn't walk behind me. She walks next to me. She's right next to me. But somebody says where we're going. And I'm like, hey, here's where we're going. And she's like, I'm in. And she walks right next to me. And I'm telling you, that's how it works. Before there was Google, there was Proverbs. And a smart husband, a smart wife will read them, apply them, and realize that God's wisdom builds a family that is unstoppable, that is full of joy, that can change the world, that will be all he intended it to be. And I pray that we'll grab the wisdom that God has given to us. So Lord, I pray right now, for husbands and wives, and I pray right now in Jesus' name that you'd help us to apply this, apply this. We come against adultery, infidelity, and those things that would tear apart the family in Jesus' name. We pray we'd heed the wisdom of Proverbs and the warnings. We pray that it'd be life-giving, that uh, if you're, it, all the wives would speak life, and they'd be life-giving, Lord Jesus. And I pray that they'd outgive each other, husbands and wives. And I pray for those that are looking for a husband or a wife. I pray that they'd just entrust it to you, Lord Jesus. They'd entrust it to you. They'd make themselves ready and in a position and uh, ready to receive whatever you have for them. Lord, again, Proverbs says, we didn't make this. You did. You did. And so we thank you for this. Blessing on the husbands and wives in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.